The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. to the Lord. Close your eyes and sing it to Jesus. Unless your heart is not hard and your eyes are not dry and your prayers are not cold and your faith is not old. Otherwise, that just about means all of us, doesn't it? My eyes are dry. My eyes are dry. Faith is old. My faith is old, heart is hard. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. My prayers are cold. And I know how. And I know how. I ought to be. I ought to be alive to you. Alive to you. And dead to me. before him the Lord says draw near to God and he will draw near to you cleanse your hands you sinners purify your hearts you double minded mourn, weep, be miserable let your laughter be turned into mourning your joy into gloom pour the anointing of God out upon all of us God so that we can be a pleasing people My eyes 
closed Lord Jesus you know how weak I am Lord <laughs> oh and God that my motives Lord needed to be purified today Jesus and God my heart's so wicked Lord but God work despite me Lord despite all of us work send your spirit despite our wickedness God we, we cry out for your Holy Spirit to fall upon us God Everybody in this place that feels that God has been speaking specifically about them, raise your hand up. Specifically about them. Be honest. Glory to God. As we sing this next song together, I'd like those people to open the curtains so we have more room down here, please. like those of you that feel you need to come and commit your life to Jesus as Lord, possibly for the first time in your life. Those of you who have not been living a right life before God. You've had bitterness in your heart. You've had sin on your hands. And God wants you to come to the fountain and wash it clean. And true repentance, true faith, and true holiness. Come to a holy God and become a holy people. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his sores, 
Then Ephraim turned to Assyria, and he sent to the great king for help. But he is not able to cure you. He is not able to heal your sores. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim, like a great lion to Judah. I will tear them to pieces and go away. I will carry them off with no one to rescue them. Then I will go back to my place until they admit their guilt. And they will seek my face. And in their misery they will earnestly seek me. Hosea, the fifth chapter. Chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. It's time for a new beginning in Jesus. Today I'm going to outline for you exactly what Jesus tells us we must do if we are going to have that new beginning in him. I know as I say this to you that many of you do not sense the need for a new beginning in Jesus. You have turned to your credit cards. You've turned to friends or you're still working. But you are shut down. You can attend church. You can listen on the internet. That's not the same. We are in a crisis. The Lord has torn us in this country. I know that what we are experiencing is a part of the judgment of God upon America and the world. I know it is a part of the birth pangs described Matthew 24 or in Luke. I know it's time for a new beginning in Jesus. I want to share with you the words of Jesus about how to start again, what that will look like, what you must do. Now, part of the problem that we're facing is a lack of perception about our condition before God, a lack of an ability to evaluate where we stand. I'm going to share with you what is often considered by many to be a terrible judgment upon the church. I don't see it that way. I see it as an act of great love that Jesus has for us, for you and for me. 
The promises held in this passage of Scripture in Revelation, the third chapter, beginning in verse 14, are so precious to me. I have done what the Lord has told me to do, and my spirit has been awakened, and I've been revived. And now I have looked honestly at who I am, and I'm not pleased with all that I see. And I've had to spend a great deal of time before the Lord over these last weeks in fasting and prayer and doing what he told me to do. And I'll share that with you today. The third chapter of Revelation. I'll begin with verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The word angel simply means messenger. He probably could have said to the pastor of the church in Laodicea, right. These are the words of the Amen. That is, these are the words of the Alpha and the Omega. These are the words of he who is above all. The faithful and true witness the ruler of God's creation, or the king of all that is created. Look at Galatians or Colossians, the first chapter, Hebrews, the first chapter, the Gospel of John, the first chapter. They all tell us the same thing. Jesus is the creator God, and he is the king of all that is created. He begins his evaluation of our spiritual condition in verse 15. I know your deeds. Now, let me say this very honestly. I'll read it for you. In the book of James, the first chapter. The book of James, the first chapter. Consider it Pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. We are in trials of many kinds right now in America. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. Now please understand, as I share this message today, I am not in any way trying to find fault with you. I'm trying to share with you honestly the word of God. Jesus comes to us and he does not accuse us. It's always the devil that comes with condemnation. It's always the devil that comes with Words of accusation against us. God comes to us without finding fault. Verse 6, But when he asks, that is, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You'll understand why I shared that 
in just a moment. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. He's saying you're too good to go to hell, and you're too bad to go to heaven. You are caught right in the middle. You acknowledge me. You worship me. You say you love me. But your deeds don't match your words. There is a disconnect in your heart. You love me, but you also love the world. And you've heard me say this many times. I'll say it again. You have been taught lies that you could be both in the world and sin and in Jesus and you would have imputed righteousness. It's not true. He says, I'm about to spit you or vomit you out of my mouth. He's saying this condition of being unaware of your of your situation, this condition of being in a false confidence about your standing with God makes me sick to my stomach. That's our Lord speaking to us. Now, he's not condemning us. He's trying to identify for us what it is that blocks our way with him. We need a new beginning with Jesus. This lockdown in America, this time out that God has put us in, is giving us a wonderful opportunity to recognize our true condition before him and make some decisions to change the way we operate. Now, some of you are finding that you're more busy now than you were before the lockdown. That's not why Jesus has given us this time. He's hoping that during this time, we'll turn from our busyness and we'll fast and pray and we'll take some other actions that will be terrifying to us. But these actions will open the way for us to begin to identify our true condition before him. Do you understand? If you just look at your belly button and say, oh, oh, how am I? What am I doing? No, you won't understand your true condition. Your true condition must be revealed to you from heaven. And there are certain actions you must take for those conditions of your heart to be exposed. Now, I love the messages to the seven churches because this is our risen Lord. It's not Peter. It's not John. It's not the Apostle Paul. This is Jesus himself dictating these letters to the seven churches. This is our risen Lord. This is Jesus from the control room in the sanctuary in heaven speaking to us because he loves us and his compassion is without bounds. His mercy, his long-suffering, they are there for you and for me. And he's saying to us today, it's time for a new beginning. 
It's time to forget about yourself. It's time to forget about who you think you are and what you think your religious situation is and let Jesus reevaluate you and then do what he says and see what happens. He says, you don't realize there's no situation harder than a situation where we don't know the true condition of what's going on in our own heart. How do we ever deal with our life in Jesus if our eyes are blinded to our wickedness and we have somehow become very comfortable and very satisfied in our wickedness? And we say, oh no, we're righteous. We're, we're covered by the blood of Jesus. We're full of imputed grace and grace covers us and we're on our way to heaven. And the preacher says, hey, just go to church and have a good time. And the pastor goes and he has a good time with jokes about the Redskins or or some baseball team, or some hockey team. He has jokes to tell you, and you laugh, and you have a good time, and he has a little story to inspire you, and he has some principles for you to live by so you can be even more successful. You don't realize you're wretched. Well, what does that word wretched mean? If you look at it in the Greek, it means literally being utterly worn out and fatigued with grievous labor. You have been going flat out for so long, you're exhausted. As one man said, I've never slept this much in my life. He was utterly exhausted. He was spent. Many of you have been so exhausted by your constant pattern of work. And now some of you are working at home and you're even working more hours at home. And you are exhausted by all of this labor. He's saying you're exhausted. You're pouring your life into your work. Then he says you're pitiful. He's saying if someone looks at your condition, if someone looks at, at how you're managing your life, from the outside, not from the inside, from the outside. Their great compassion is going to be aroused for you because they're going to say, look at this poor man. Look at this poor woman. Worried, uptight, doesn't want to go back to work. Everything seems to be going wrong. This is happening. That's happening. He said, you're pitiful. Then Jesus says, you're also poor. You've said, I'm rich. Jesus says, no, you're poor. So you have your $20,000 credit card limit. Some of you. You have your, your job and you're still working at it. You're still getting money. You have a nice house to live in. You have plenty of food to eat. And you're saying for yourself, I can cruise through this deal. This is no big deal. I got it made. Some of you don't have it made. Some of you are beginning to realize how poor you are because you don't know how you're going to make rent tomorrow. It's due today, right? The last day of the month. 
I had to pay my rent. By God's grace, he gave me the money to pay for the rent for next month. It was a miracle of God's grace. Oh, my brother, my sister. Poor. Poor in the spirit. Poor in the spirit. Blind. Groping your way around in the spirit realm. Not really knowing what to expect. Or how to have God hear from you. And how to hear from God. Many of you say to me, Pastor, how do you hear God? Does he speak to you? Yes. Jesus speaks to me and I hear him. And I obey him. Naked. Naked. No garments of righteousness. No garments of covering our nakedness. If you look at it, that's a pretty difficult place for a man or woman to be in. Overworked, in pitiful condition, without any money, either in the physical realm or the spirit realm. Blind, can't see the reality that they're in, can't see the reality of their condition before a holy and righteous God. Think they've got it made, but they're condemned. God doesn't speak to him. Jesus doesn't talk to you. Following a, a set of principles, strategies for success. And then you do things and you lose and you say, why? I guess I didn't hear from God. And then on top of all of that, you're naked and you're filled with shame embarrassment is it any wonder people don't want to look at their true condition before god when this is the true condition no we want to hide that we want to pretend we're fine everything's going great can't tell you how many people i talk to and i say how are you and they say oh i'm fine everything's great when the spirit of god has told me everything's not great with that person this and this and this are going on they're pretending. And my heart is grieved. Verse 18 is where Jesus begins to talk specifically about what he wants us to do. He says, I counsel you. He's not telling us we have to. Jesus never forces us, but if we want a new beginning with Jesus... This is where we must begin. This is the first thing Jesus says. Now, he's not speaking to unbelievers. These are people who believe in him. These are people who sit in the church. These are people who call themselves Christians. He's not speaking here to pagans. If he were speaking to pagans, he would say to them, Look, you know your sin. Repent and get right with God. And I've said that many times on this broadcast but now i want to speak 
today specifically to you who know about Jesus, who know the way of the gospel. But you have deceived yourself thinking that you're saved when you're actually too good to go to hell, but not good enough to go to heaven. You're in halfway land. And God doesn't speak to you. And you're impatient. You treat God like he's Santa Claus or a vending machine. You put your dollar in and you want your can of Coke out. He's saying, look, I'm telling you what I'd like to see you do. And this is what he's saying. And and please, this is going to be hard for you. But I'm going to say it because Jesus gives this as the first step of a believer who needs to come to his senses about who he is and what he is. And your true condition will begin to be exposed if you doubt what I'm saying about your true condition today in Jesus. If you doubt me, then please do what the word says you must do and you will very quickly discover the truth and reality of your spiritual life. This is not some intellectual experience. This is visceral. This is your guts. This is what he says. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. Last month, I was way short on money to pay my rent. And I was way short on money to pay for radio. And the Lord told me, here's a family. They can't pay their rent. They have children. Give them their rent money. And I looked and I said, Lord, give them their rent money. Okay, Lord. I didn't say to the Lord, but what about my rent money? Because he already knew about that. I didn't say to him, but Lord, what about the radio? He already knew about that. And so I gave that family their rent money. Now I'm really behind. Now it's impossible for me to pay. And so I began to think in my mind, okay, Lord, does that mean I need to sell everything I have in the house and notify the landlord that I'm moving out? And I'm now going to sleep in the car and wait on you. Is that what you want me to do, Jesus? I think it was the closest I've ever come to hearing God laugh at me. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, you of little faith. So he said fast. So I began a three-day fast. And then the next week I did another three-day fast. And now the monies are due. 
out of that prayer, humbling of my heart, being in a crisis because I obeyed the word of the Lord to me, the Lord covered the rent miraculously, and he covered He covered the radio miraculously. Thank you to many of you who stepped in and said, we must continue the broadcast. Now, let me tell you what this family did. They have now the money for their rent. And the Lord promptly tells them, take $400 of that money and send it to the mission field. What? Yes. Which they promptly did in obedience. And the Lord promptly covered their rent. All of it. And even paid off some debt. What I'm trying to say to you today is that when you set your heart on gold refined in the fire, you're setting your heart on faith in Jesus Christ. That's the gold tried and refined in the fire. If you refuse to step into the fire of God, placing your confidence and your trust in Him, you will not understand your true condition before God. Now, it's not just about money. It can be many different areas. It can be stepping forward and forgiving someone that you know you should have forgiven, but you have not, and you sacrifice your pride and your arrogance, and you forgive them. Forgiveness is the heart. It is the ultimate freedom. It may be that you have some plaguing addiction. And you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I can't conquer this. I've tried as hard as I can. I can't conquer this addiction. And I can't live in it any longer. One man said to me, I was deep in pornography and I couldn't break it. And I finally went to the Lord and he said, I told Jesus, please either take my life or take this sin. I can't continue as I am. And he utterly gave that thing to Jesus and he died to it. He's never gone back to his pornography. It was finished that day when he stood by faith in the fire of passion, in the fire of earthly desire. And he said, I will not go again. In the name of Jesus, I stand by faith that your blood, which has not lost its power, has washed me clean, and this thing is finished. John Wesley called that crisis sanctification. 
Now, some of you have been just cruising through life. You have a guilty conscience. You know you're not right with Jesus, but you seem to be making it. You seem to have everything okay. You're rich and increased in goods. You don't need anything. Well, make a decision. The first step in a new beginning with Jesus is to risk everything and lay it on the line and say, Jesus, I'm going to stand by faith that you will pick me up now and you will carry me. I'm going to make a covenant with you. Our God is a covenant-keeping God. You make a covenant with Jesus. And you say, Lord, I'm going to give as you call me to give. I'm not going to hold back. In fact, I'm going to be willing to do anything you call me to do. I will give hilariously. I will make a covenant that I won't walk in this sin any longer, and I utterly give it to you. As you begin to make covenants with God about your stand with him, he will begin to unveil to you the wickedness of your heart because your heart will rise up and say, what a fool you are. You can't give that. You can't say you're not going to do that again. You know you're going to go do it again. No, you're not. The utter weakness of your heart, the utter weakness of your intellectual understanding of God will have to face the reality of your absolute poverty before God. And you will be called upon to humble your heart in acknowledgement that God is right about you. And you will have begun again with Jesus. The new beginning begins when you begin to obey the word of the Lord and you put yourself... You put your life, as he calls you, on the line to risk loving another person, to risk lifting another person in love and compassion and mercy. And as you do that, God will come very close to you. As you make covenants about your sin, and your desire for righteousness. He will come and meet you, and you will have a new beginning in Jesus. A double-minded man should expect to receive nothing from the Lord. It is not yes today and no tomorrow. It is yes and amen. I will do as the Lord directs me to do. I will act in compassionate love, toward my brother, toward my sister, and toward my enemy. It's not enough to say, I will forgive. It must go beyond that. It must go beyond to a place where it costs you something, where you lay down your pride and your arrogance, And you say, Almighty God, if you don't come, I'll die. 
if you don't rescue me. I mean, until you begin to see God's hand moving in your life, you will not understand your true condition before a holy and righteous God. This is not about some intellectual deal. This is not about a philosophy or strategy. This is about paying for faith where you put it on the line with Almighty God. When was the last time you put it all on the line for Jesus? An unemployed family, not knowing what their future is, but knowing who holds their future, makes a decision and a great personal risk give hilariously for this broadcast to stay on the air. That action opens the door for the Lord to move powerfully in their hearts and their lives. Now the second step white clothes to wear buy the white clothes to wear what's he mean well if you look at revelation 19:8 the white clothes are the acts of righteousness the deeds of the saints he's saying buy from me white clothing to wear so as you begin to put yourself at risk through covenants for giving, through covenants for leaving sin, for covenants asking God to expose the truth of your heart. And as you begin to act in accordance with that, you begin to buy the white clothes to wear, the clothing of righteousness. Now, this is not salvation by works. This is what it takes to begin to walk toward Jesus. There are those who say, just come forward, say a little sinner's prayer, and go on home. You're saved. No, you're not. We have so cheapened the gospel of Jesus Christ in America that it means nothing to most. It's simply a part of their wonderful lifestyle. And now that it's all shut down, we have time to review and to think and to pray and to fast and to say, Lord, see my condition. I'm wretched. I'm tired. I'm, I'm worn out with this labor. I've got to have help. And I'm making a covenant with you, Lord. And you begin to buy, by your actions, the white clothing, the linen white clothing that you must be clothed in in holiness if you're going to see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You see, part of what's happened, and you know that what I'm going to say is true. In America, we have looked upon the church as optional. 
we have looked upon our Christian faith as a convenient crutch and encouragement to a worldly life. <clears throat> and so we have we have misused Jesus. We have grieved his heart. Our faith in Christ must be first and foremost. And that faith must be an action. Where we put ourselves at risk. We put our pride at risk. We put everything at risk for the name of Jesus Christ. One man said to me, I said to him, when you go to work, he works in a government agency. He said, I said to him, when you go to work, do you tell anybody about Jesus? And he said, oh, no. People look at my life, and by my life, they see that I'm different than they are. And then they'll ask me questions about why I'm this way, and I can tell them then about Jesus. I said, has anyone done that in the last 20 years? Well, no. Does anybody there really know who you are in Jesus? Well, no, not really. I said, evidently, your strategy for witnessing is not working because you don't want to risk your job. You don't want to risk your income by talking about Jesus. You don't want to risk getting fired. He said, that's true. The next thing I knew, he was handing out tracts. He was telling everybody about Jesus. Now it was helpful that he was ready to retire. But he also went out on the street and did street witnessing. You see, until we begin to take concrete actions, to put ourselves at risk, and then we obey what the Lord tells us to do, we will not have the white linen to wear. This white linen is used to cover our shameful nakedness. It takes away our embarrassment. I want to tell you personally what that meant for me. I would stand in front of the congregation, large congregations, and I would preach, and I was very good at it. And people fawned over me. They would meet me after the service and say, what an awesome message, Pastor. Thank you. That was great. And I ate it all up. But I noticed that as time went on, I began to feel more and more like a total cheap hypocrite. Because I knew I did not have the inner experience that justified the outward words that I was speaking. I knew it was not my personal experience. Till the Lord brought me into such a crisis... that I couldn't stand. And he told me to read the scriptures. And so out of desperation, I began in Genesis and read through to Revelation. And I did that time after time after time. I wasn't preaching then. For seven years, I withdrew from all public ministry. And I spent those seven years fasting and praying and waiting on Jesus. I want to tell you what happened. I was utterly broken. I was utterly humiliated. 
My friends thought I'd lost it. My family thought I was crazy. Many, many, many people cut me off and said, You'll never again be a pastor. It was then that the Lord sovereignly brought me to Pastor David Wilkerson at the Times Square Church, and Pastor David picked me up, and he said, I'll help you. He became my father in the faith. Now, now when I preach, I have no sense of being a hypocrite or being shamed because I'm clothed and my shameful nakedness has been covered. That doesn't mean I rest on my laurels. I don't. I continue reading the scriptures. I continue going after Jesus. I continue seeking his face. And I continue laying everything on the line and risking everything for the gospel of Jesus. Then he says, salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This salve, according to the scriptures, John fourteen fifteen to 21, and many other places, is the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. As we put ourselves at risk and we buy the gold, we, we exercise faith for the removal of our sin. We exercise faith for overcoming every darkness. We exercise faith in the giving of our material goods so that we risk ourselves. As we do these things, we begin to see our true condition and how far we are from Jesus. And then as we begin to obey his commands to us, he gives us white clothing to wear to cover our nakedness. And then the Holy Spirit comes in power. And he gives us eyes to see. Then verse 19. In the closing minutes of this broadcast, I want you to hear this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Please read. We don't have time now, but please read Hebrews, the 12th chapter. The Lord does not come and condemn us. He does not come and accuse us. He comes with loving rebukes and tells us what we must do if we are going to change our situation and enter into a new beginning with him. Now, I don't know where you're at in this process. You may be giving wonderfully to Jesus. But you may be so filled with busyness and exhaustion that you have no time to do what he asks you to do and you haven't sought the salve to put on your eyes so that you can see and hear his voice. The disciples of Jesus hear his voice. He says, Those whom I love, I rebuke. And I discipline. I can tell you today, Jesus loves you. I love that song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. If you will follow what I've just described, 
you will enter into a new beginning with Jesus. We're out of time for today. This is the last day of the month. You can reach me by going to nationalprayerchapel.com or you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel Post Office Books, Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195 You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. Would you subscribe to our broadcast on YouTube? It will help us in our placement in recommendations on Google. Now, would you also pray with me and pray for me? Almighty God, I pray for each who's listening today. I pray for a new beginning in their life by your grace and by your wonder. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your mercy. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I pray today is a new beginning with Jesus. I'll talk to you soon. I love you. God bless you. Present you blameless before the presence of his glory.